Hi everyone, I am Ivaiwa, and this is Faye for Thought, a podcast where you and I bond over our love of all things Faye, while I share with you my thoughts about some of our favorite fantasy TV shows. Today we talk about episodes 7 and 8 of the last season of Vikings. Episode 7 is called The Ice Maiden and is as expectedly mostly focused on Lagerta and her funeral. It is a tribute to the character. First I am going to talk quickly about everything else that happened in the episode so that I can focus more on the Lagerta storyline. So in Westfold in Norway, Harald is now the king. And Olaf is still quite pissed about it. He says to Harold, it was not well done. To which Harold responds, it was not as you arranged. And yeah, that is true. I already talked about this in the last episode. But the whole reason that Olaf was not happy and continues to not be happy is because things did not happen the way that he wanted them to happen. It has nothing to do with right or wrong, it just wasn't what he wanted. And that's the truth. And Harold calls him out on it. He, Because of all of this, he refuses to pledge his allegiance to Harold. So Harold decides to give him the same treatment that was originally given to him by Olaf. He sends him to the dungeon, where he will stay until he either pledges allegiance or dies. In Kiev, it is cold. It is cold as balls. And not much is happening because of all of the cold. Everyone has gathered around the table and shares their wishes. Katya wants to bathe naked in a hot spring. She says, while looking at Ivor, the young prince Igor wants to skate or something. And because of this, we get the first mention of Christmas. I think this is how they pronounce it, not how we know it like Christmas, but instead of Christmas, maybe it was that Christmas. I don't know if we are going to get anything else Christmassy from Vikings. This is probably all that we are going to get. And Christmas is over, so yeah, that's fine. Ivor's wish is to walk. And Olek is like, uh, bitch, what? That is not realistic. And then Ivor is like, well, your cat Jesus uh, performs miracle all the time. Is that so unrealistic when you think about it? And Olek's like, you got me there. Then Olek shares his wish, which was like, I want to go back into my mother's womb. I want to float there, in that small, limitless universe, among the stars, with no beginning, no end, waiting for the new world to begin. And I was like, what? What the hell was that? Did we need that? Does anybody understand what he's talking about? Does he understand what he's talking about? Probably not. So we can say that everyone, um, and by everyone, I mean Igor and Katya, kind of 
get their wishes uh, Igor is skating while Ivor is watching him and is approached by a messenger who has a message from Deer for Ivor. He tells him that Deer is fine, basically, and he is standing by ready to help him whenever, something like this. He also gives him like a cross, which I'm guessing is like a sign of good faith or something. Katya also gets her wish. She bathes in like a hole in the snow that is being filled by servants with hot water. And this is the first time that we see her interacting with Oleg alone. And I was kind of interested to see how they interact with each other without Ivor there, because they are always playing with Ivor and manipulating him. So I was curious to see when they are just by each other, how they behave. But truth be told, we, we didn't learn much from that interaction. It was a basic conversation. So yeah, nothing interesting happened that much in Kiev this episode, which again is understandable because the focus is on Lagerta and the tribute that is paid by the show and by the surviving characters. So the episode called The Ice Maiden actually begins with Wagerta laying in the snow. The rain from the previous episode has now turned to snow, which corresponds to the title episode, which like I said is called The Ice Maiden. Everyone has gathered around her body and Uwe's first thought is to look for Hvitzer. He probably already suspects that Hvitzer had a role to play in whatever happened. We see him talking to Lagerta, or should I say Lagerta's corpse. He finally seems to remember that Lagerta is the one who killed his mother. He mentions it, but also mentions that, that he can still mourn her loss. He can still mourn the loss of the greatest shield maiden that ever lived. Everything that has happened made Torvi very worried about her children and decides to sail to Agatha's village to see what has happened. Meanwhile, Bjorn, while traveling, has like a vision of Agatha. It seems like he feels actual pain in his chest like the connection between them makes him realize that something bad has happened and I am curious where that connection was when his son was killed. Apparently he is concerned about Agatha but not that concerned about his children. Anyway, in Katagat nobody seems to find Hitzerk and the woman that is always around him decides that she can find him and goes to look for him. Meanwhile, we waste again more time on that servant girl who is in love with Bjorn. We kind of suspect that she might have done something to Gunhild from jealousy or just to take out the competition or something like this. But she's like, oh no, 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 I love her. She's carrying the child of the man that I love. I would never do anything to her. 
And I'm like, we don't care about you, go away. Even in the episode that is about Wilder, she is still there. And we are still wasting time on her and her love for Bjorn. And by the way, where did that love come from? Like, to be perfectly honest, I am not buying it. She doesn't seem in love. Everybody says it, but we don't actually see it in the acting. We just hear it in the words. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I am also not going to waste any more time on her because I do not care. So the seer has appeared quite often in this past few episodes and now we see him again. This time Uwe has a vision of him, kind of has a conversation with him about Weigerta and who killed her and the seer says it was Ivor yet it was not Ivor, which we understand because it was Fritzirk's paranoia of Ivor that led to what happened to Lagerta, which kind of implicates him, but also kind of not. But we was like, what? He doesn't know what happened, so he doesn't get it. Torvi has arrived in the village where she learns of Halle's death. And to be honest, she doesn't seem very emotional. She doesn't seem that hurt by it. She goes to his grave, says goodbye to him, and I'm not sure if she even cried. Like she, she was very stoic. She didn't express a lot of emotion. She then goes to see Gunhild, who for some reason looks very sick. What has happened to her? Like she, she looked fine after the fight. We learned that she was hurt, yes, but she didn't look that sick back then. So I'm kind of worried. I hope everything's fine with her and the baby. She also is blaming herself for not coming with Wagerter. She feels like she could have prevented this, but we saw how Wagerter reacted. Like Wagerter just planned all of this just so she can die, I guess. Everything she did was paying for her death. And the sad thing is nobody saw that scene between her and Hvitserk when he stabbed her repeatedly and she was like, it's fine, everything's fine, don't worry Hvitserk. But like nobody heard her say that. It was only Hvitserk who heard it. And even if he says it, which he does not, but even if he did, Nobody would believe him. So it was like the one person that now everybody mourns and everybody is angry at Hvitserk for killing her. Like poor Hvitserk has been dealt such bad luck or I don't know. And it, he doesn't deserve it. Everything that happens right now, he doesn't deserve it. Right now he is in the woods almost frozen to death, that woman that is always there finds him, he almost looks catatonic, just poor guy, I don't know what to say about that more. At Kattegat everyone is preparing for Lagerta's funeral, there is a lot of preparation, 
a lot is happening. There should be, of course, a human sacrifice, because why not? And Gunhild is looking for volunteers, basically. And everyone is like, pick me, no, pick me, pick me, pick me. Everyone is super excited to die. But what is most surprising is that Torvi is volunteering. She's like, I'm gonna do it. Please let me do it. And I feel like this is like the writer, should I say? Because Michael Hurst writes everything, but he maybe has people that help him, I don't know. So I feel like the writer or writers is or are trying too hard to show what kind of impact uh, Lagerta has and her death has on everybody. They're trying so hard that they make characters act out of character, so to speak. Like, Torvi is crushed by what has happened, but she would never, never do something like this. She would never be pregnant. She would never be like this when she has already lost one child and has one left and another one in her belly. She would never be like, please let me die, kill me right now. That would that doesn't make sense. We have never seen her act like this. And of course, Gumhild is like, uh, no, stay down. And then there is this raven. And basically, the raven picks who the sacrifice should be. And we learn that the sacrifice picked is a young woman named Gida, which was the name of the child that Lagerta and Ragnar lost. So so it is kind of poetic that both Gidas die, I guess. This whole human sacrifice thing to me is a little bit too much. I find it quite unnecessary. But anyway, it also seems very, very culty. By culty, I mean like a cult. Everything that happens later seems like this. So we have this creepy priest guys wearing white robes. Then there is this shirtless guy who has sex with the sacrifice. Everyone has their face painted. It just, it reminded me quite a lot of a cult and not of their religion, but it is quite possible that their religion is just kind of like a cult. I don't know. Then some woman with black demon eyes appears out of nowhere. She claims that she is the angel of death, the one that is going to kill the sacrifice. She says to the young woman named Gida, look into my eyes as I kill you. Like, this is something that would be comforting. And I doubt that looking into someone who has voice for eyes would be comforting as you're dying. But anyway, there are a bunch of dead horses, like their heads are all over the snow. Gross, but I suppose this is the way to pay tribute to Wagerton. Gunhild still looks very sick. She is on the boat where Wagerton's body is laid down together with Torvi and Uwe, and everyone is saying goodbye to her. And the way that Torvi talks about her kind of seems like she was in love with her. Or was that just me? While all this is happening, Jorn 
arrives to an empty village because everyone is gathered around the lake or river or whatever it is where Oagirto's funeral is happening. So Bjorn sees this empty village and he realizes what is going on. He goes to the funeral as well. He is just in time for it. The shield maidens burn Oagirto's funeral fire while Bjorn is saying goodbye. He says to Oagirto, I have loved you more than I have loved any other and I am wondering is that the reason he is the way he is with women? Is that because he compares every woman in his life to his mother so no one can be as perfect as her, no one can be as lovely as her, no one can be as pretty as her. Basically does he have money issues which results in his problematic relationship, his attitude that is, I can never stick with one woman because no one is as great as my mom. Probably is. He vows to avenge her, which is the last thing that Fritzirk needs, but apparently this show does not care about what Fritzirk needs. While all this is happening, even Ivor in Kiev seems to realize that something is happening. Like he he feels something, there is something in the air, I don't know, but we saw that. We saw that something was happening. So the burning ship with Wagerta's body on it goes in the water. And next thing that is happening is a really beautiful, poetic moment. Uh, Tori's daughter, Wagerta's grandchild, stares down beneath the frozen water, where she sees Wagerta now young, surrounded by Valkyries, ready to carry her to Valhalla. Wagert sinks to the bottom, where she is again reunited with Ragnar, or should I say a saint version of Ragnar, lays beside him and disappears. It was a very beautiful moment, very beautifully shot. It was... honestly, I feel like this was the best possible way to to make a tribute to Wagerta. I feel like the whole human sacrifice thing was unnecessary and kind of forced, especially Torvis uh, willing to die, which, like I said, didn't make sense to me. I feel like this moment seemed true, although it was the most unrealistic. But I really liked it and I feel it was a beautiful way to end Wagerta's storyline on the show. The actress that played her shared something with TV Line. It goes like this. I came on set because I was preparing to direct the next episode and it was so surreal because I really walked into my own funeral. It was weird to see the prosthetic me lying there, she continues. Even though I didn't get to have tears in my actual final scene, I couldn't last at the funeral shoot because I would have been in tears. To see everybody at your funeral and you're watching yourself is a bit of out-of-body experience. And I get this. Now let's move to the next episode, episode 8, called Valhalla Can Wait. Let's talk a little bit about what happens in Kiev. Again, we don't get that much scenes again in this episode, but we get quite the drama 
So Igor and Ivor are drinking tea with Oleg and Katya, talking about the invasion and the plans they have for them. So before the invasion begins, Oleg wants to have a few raiding parties, invade Norway in a way to learn more about that, to get more information for the big invasion. And Ivor wants to lead one of the raiding parties together with Igor. Igor is consulting the doll that he has always with him, kind of like playfully. It, it seems very innocent, it doesn't seem like such a problem, but because he refers to the doll as the king, Oleg loses it and breaks the doll in response to that Igor tries to stand up to him in a quite childish manner, but he is a child after all, and we see that Ivor's words telling him that he is the king, he is the one true king, he possesses the sky and everything, those words have definitely gone to his head, but he has never expressed that to Oleg before. And Oleg is not having it. He slaps him a couple of times, I think. He yells at him. He seems very aggressive. And at first Ivor was like curious. But then even he's like, oh my god, that is too much. Even Katya seems kind of uh, distressed by everything that happened. So Ivor leaves and comforts him. He tells him everything's fine. Everything will be alright. And I'm wondering, did Ivor plan this. This interaction drove a wedge between Igor and Oleg and made Ivor look better compared to Oleg. So it was almost as if he told Igor all of these things in, in order to manipulate him to do something like this, to have this happen. I wouldn't be surprised. So in Katakat, Fitzirk is brought in front of everyone, bound, chained, humiliated by Bjorn, sucked by Bjorn a couple of times. Bjorn is pissed, he is very angry, he wants to punish him, and Hvitzer goes like, whatever you want to do with me, even burn me alive. And as I was watching this, I realized this is probably where Bjorn got the idea for his punishment. We will talk about this later when it comes. But Hvitzer is the one that mentions burning him alive. It was interesting. Uwe is just watching as everything is happening. He is again back to his very useless self. This is your brother Fitzirk. Why aren't you doing anything? So Fitzirk is now tied to a pole outside where everyone can spit on him, everyone can curse him, everyone can hit him. I guess this is the first part of his punishment while Bjorn is trying to decide what to do with him next. Uwe is there next to him, gives him water, tries to, I don't know, tries to get him to apologize or something to Bjorn so that they can avoid his death. But Hvitzerk seems now convinced that he was supposed to kill Wagerta. I'm guessing that is his way of coping with it. Now interprets the seer's words this way, as if that was his fate. And so either he is coping by saying this, or he actually believes it. 
and maybe it is true. If it is true, I gotta say, damn, these cops are cruel. That was a horrible fate for Hitzer. Why are they doing this to him? Why is the show doing this to him? <sighs> Just so sad. Bjorn finally mentions his son's death. We literally get one sentence from him about it, but at least it is something. Gunhild is trying to, to comfort him. She says that Hali died a warrior's death, he was trying to prove himself as a warrior and blah blah blah. She tries to make Bjorn feel a little bit better about it, but like we, we all know what actually happened in that episode. Hali was not trying to prove himself as a warrior, he was hiding together with the other children as planned, and when the battle was almost over, he just got out of hiding, he picked up a sword and tried to play with it. He wasn't trying to be a warrior, he was playing as a warrior, and he got killed because of it, which is literally the opposite of what Kanhut is saying. But she probably also doesn't know what exactly happened. So I'm not going to hold that against her. Bjorn is like, I have lost so much. I lost my mother. I lost my son. And I also lost the crown of Norway. Which is like, you never had the crown of Norway. How can you lose something that you never had? Like I've said a couple of times already, he got the idea from King Olaf he didn't even want it before that, he didn't even know it was a thing, and he's like, oh no, I lost that. And it is kind of ridiculous to compare the loss of your family to the loss of a crown that was never yours. But again, that's Bjorn, he's not very smart. And because he is so much pissed right now, he decides to burn Hvitserk alive. Probably got the idea from Hvitserk himself as I mentioned already. So he wants him to feel what Bjorn feels. Bjorn is very, very upset, very pissed. And he's like, I want to punish you, Hvitserk. I want you to feel what I feel. But the thing is, Hvitserk already feels what Bjorn feels. Now, if we compare the situations, Bjorn is the oldest son of Ragnar. He lost Ragnar at the same time that all of the other children of Ragnar lost him, but compared to them, he had spent more time with him because, well, he's older, so logically he has spent more time with him. And Ragnar, the same thing. This is when his mother dies, and again, he is the oldest. Aswak was killed by Ragnar by an arrow in the back. Again, I'm mad about that. And all the other children Ube, Hvitserk, the one that was killed by Ivor, Ivor, had spent much less time with their mother compared to him. So Hvitserk has been suffering for quite longer than Bjorn. So whatever Bjorn is saying right now, it, it doesn't make any sense. But again, Bjorn is not very smart. Now it is the next day, and everyone is gathered to witness Hvitserk's execution by fire. By the way, Bjorn kind of seems old, like the same way that at some point Lager just started to seem very old, the same with Ragnar, at some point they just started to seem old, like crushed by the weight of everything that has happened or something. So 
Fitzerick starts to burn, and at some point Bjorn kind of nods to Uwe, and Uwe kind of nods in response, fires an arrow that slices the rope around Fitzerick's hands. Fitzerick drops in the water, then Uwe dives in, brings him out of the water, and Bjorn again is like, Living like this is worse than dying. This is your punishment. I banish you. The, the same thing that he did with the bandits from the first... Was it the first or the second episode? I mean, one of the first episodes of the season. The bandits who followed Ivor. The bandits who attacked Lagertha's village. The bandits who killed Halin. And he does the same thing to Fitzhugh now. But with a lot more drama and theatrics before that. I, uh, the way that Bjorn deals with political, or not even political, just with problems, the way that he is just like, oh, you're a problem for me, I'm going to, to just banish you, just go away. I'm not dealing with you, actually, I'm just getting rid of you by sending you far away, so to speak. And it's not even that far away. So this way of dealing with problems reminded me a lot of the way that Gabriel from Xena the Warrior Princess kind of dealt with kind of similar problems that she experienced in an episode called The Quill is Mightier. So now we are going to have a little bit of Xena time on the podcast. So in this episode, Gabriel is dealing with an, an enchanted scroll. A scroll that everything she writes on the scroll happens in real life. So if she writes, drinks are on the house, which is a metaphor for the drinks are free, but she writes, the drinks are on the house. So what literally happens is that a liquid starts pouring from the roof, more specifically beer. The whole episode was very funny and filled with moments like this, which resulted in Gabrielle sending a bunch of people to the caves. She was dealing with some bandits, and at first she was like, I'm going to write that the bandits are going east. And then someone was like, but no, there is an orphanage east of here. So she, okay, then they go west. And someone was like, oh no, but there is something else there. And she was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to write the bandits disappear from the earth. And then the bandits were like, okay, we... We'll become pirates! And she was like, oh god, oh god, I'll just send them to the caves. And with everything that was problematic in that episode, she just dealt the same way like she dealt with the bandits. She sent them to the caves. And Bjorn is like the same way. He just sends people, not to the caves in this case, but to the woods. Same thing, literally. So after the quote-unquote execution, Bjorn addresses the people of Kattegat and offers to remove himself as a ruler because of all of the fails that he has experienced. And the people should have said, yes, please, go away. But instead, after a speech from Gunhild, they are all like, oh, hail King Bjorn, oh, hail King Bjorn. And let's be honest, it should have been, oh, hail Queen Gunhild, oh, hail Queen Gunhild. From everything that we have seen, Gunhild is much smarter than Bjorn. She actually uses her brain and she can address the people properly. 
She knows how to speak as a ruler. She should focus on her career and not support Bjorn's career that much. Because as we can see, Bjorn is apparently more concerned about who he sleeps with than being, uh, I don't know, a decent person. So we see him again with that servant girl. And it is always talked about how they are in love and they just can't help themselves and they just feel the need to be together and even Gunhild is like I know you are in love with her blah 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 and again I don't see it like we haven't seen them interact that much we haven't seen them actually fall in love it is just something that is said by all of the characters all of the characters are those two are in love and we are supposed to believe them just because they are saying it but it's not very convincing so yeah, Gunhild basically catches them in the act and is like, meh, I don't care, and suggests some sort of arrangement. Bjorn is married to both of them. I'm not exactly sure what is happening, but it seems like Gunhild is far too nice. I'm not saying that uh, she should be angry and that she should punish them somehow, but what she's offering doesn't seem that benefiting for her it would seem like it would benefit Ingrid and Bjorn but her not so much and she deserves better to be honest she deserves so much better she doesn't have a problem with saying what uh, what Bjorn doesn't want to hear like for example she she says to him that the people who attacked Wagert's village are the ones who Bjorn let go those bandits who killed Halle. And I'm like, yeah, he should know that. He should know that he played a role in all that happened. But Gunhild is still like, you're a great man. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He, he's so not a great man. You are a great woman, but he's not a great man. Meanwhile, Uwe is pressuring Shetil to travel as soon as possible to Iceland. And off they go rather quickly during winter together with Torvi and Bjorn's daughter. So everyone is saying goodbye, 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 go away. And a lot of time passes in this episode, I guess. So they plan to travel, they travel, they arrive at Iceland. So how much time has passed in this episode? Like a couple of months? I don't know, it's confusing. Well, Shet reunites with his family, they're very happy to see him, and we see that things in Iceland are going so much better than they did before. There are goats, the people seem happy, there doesn't seem to be lack of food, so good for them, good for them. And Shetu is like, wife, look at this, I brought you to Bentori, haha, <laughs> I'm so happy they came with me. And when he's alone, he's like, Odin, why did you do this? It was kind of like, Odin, why are you making me kill these people? I'm confused. We'll see what happens in Iceland if something interesting will happen or it will continue to be confusing like this. So meanwhile, what is happening with Harold? He's talking to Olaf about his plans, about how he is sending some of the people there to some other places and stuff. I don't know. Olaf is wondering why Harold is keeping him around and Harold is like, well, 
you kind of crazy, but also sometimes you, you kind of say something important. I'm gonna keep you here just in case you say something important, you know, just in case. He even calls him his pet philosopher. So I gotta say, like, Harold has Olaf to the T. He sees him for exactly what he is. He is mad and he says a lot of stupid things, but sometimes he says some smart things. So, yeah, it makes sense that he would keep him around. So the next thing that we see is a village in Norway being attacked by one of those raiding parties that Oleg talked about. Nobody survived in this village except for one old man. And by the way, the people who Harold sent somewhere in the previous scene with Harold are now arriving at the village. But sadly, they arrived too late. So now they bring the old man to King Harold. The old man is like, blah, 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 these guys attacked us, they killed everybody, they were speaking in weird tongues and stuff, they were like ghosts, blah, 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 and Harold's like, meh, those were men. He now decides to use Olaf to see what Olaf thinks about that, and Olaf is like, he's warning that this reading party is just the beginning that there will be an army, which is true. So again, Harold was smart to keep all there and must be careful. So now I am curious to see how Harold will protect Norway against the raids from Russ. I'm really curious to see. So now we have two episodes left from the first part of the season. Two episodes. We will see what will happen in those two episodes. Will... I mean, it makes sense that the attack, the big attack to Norway will happen in the second half of the season, but also sometimes time passes very fast in those episodes, so I don't know what will happen in the next two episodes. We will see and we will talk about it in the next and last Vikings episode for now, because like I said, we have only two Vikings episodes left for the time being. There will be a pause. I don't know when we will get the next part, the final part of the season. We will see. You probably know where you can find this podcast, but let me tell you just in case. You can find it on its anchor page, that is anchor.fm slash pay dash for dash thought. Faye is spelled F-A-E. On Twitter, you can find this podcast under the username at faithofot underscore. There is also a Facebook page where I post regular updates. For comments, questions, and suggestions, feel free to use the email address faithofot at gmail.com or you can send me a voice message on the Anchor profile page where you can find all of the social media info all of the platforms the podcast is connected to, like Spotify, Stitcher, and so on. My personal Twitter is at Ivaiwa underscore, and my personal Instagram is at Ivaiwa underscore Jeeves. That is for today, guys. Till next time. Skull!